every one of you who confesses Jesus as Lord of the universe signs up for a significance beyond anything you ever dreamed. And I mean business men and women here, homemakers, students, to belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations. Your heart was made for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Made for Missions podcast, where our heart is to mobilize Christians towards the Great Commission. For more information, go to my website at mikefalkenstein.com. That's Mike Falkenstein, F-A-L-K-E-N-S-T-I-N-E.com. And to find out more about our ministry projects worldwide, go to our ministry website, 18catalyst.org. Thanks for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for this, the latest episode of the Made for Missions podcast. I am Mike Falkenstein, and I'm here today again with my co-host, Ken Watmore. And Ken, we're getting into the fall, and although in Denver, we've had an outstanding October, didn't yeah. we? And we're keeping kind of in the 70s almost. It's been really great. Yeah, that's for sure. It's And it's November 1st as we record this today. Yeah. It's going to be 70 today. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So I guess that means, yeah, our... Uh, it always turns out, though, that you know if we have this kind of nice weather, uh, March and April are snowy and cold. Or I mean, it'll right. it'll catch up, right? No question about it. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we'll uh, it'll catch up. But it's been great, and uh, yeah, we're here on uh, in now early November, and uh, actually, I'm just getting ready to go overseas uh, for another trip, and so I'm excited about that. And then we'll have holidays and. And that's kind of a fun time too, isn't it? Oh yeah, our family is just so excited for Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's the best time, I think. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. So, well, great. Well, listen, Ken, we have, a, I think, a great show today. We've kind of highlighted, I remember we did an episode where it was kind of the distinguishing terms between unreached and unengaged and kind of what the difference is. And I thought we'd dive a little bit more into that today. There's an organization called Joshua Project, really it's kind of an educational organization that kind of highlights the actual need for missions around the world. And so they have a an article on their website, which is called, Has Everyone Heard? And uh, Ken, what I thought we'd do is just kind of go through some of what they put on there. And I'll just put a link to this article in the show notes. But I think, you know, as I talk to people, Ken, about missions, and particularly what we're doing here at the Made for Missions podcast, I think there's a lot of Christians that just don't know about what the real need is in right. term, particularly terms of Bible translation, you know, something with one uh, catalyst we're starting to get into. And so is that kind of your general sense too? People are really all that aware yeah. of what's happening around the world. I think that's true. And definitely when it comes to the needs of people being reached for Christ, I think when we think about missions, common thought is go feed somebody and mm-hmm. help with some 
medicine or things like that, which is all part of the process and clearly so valuable. And But I think sometimes we forget that the goal is to actually share the gospel. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And so there's a lot of people who receive the blessings of the outreach and maybe still don't catch on to the fact that this is about sharing the gospel. I think there's plenty of people that do that, but I think I can equate that to homeless situations I've seen locally, right? Where you go and you share with a homeless person and they've been so subject to knowing exactly what to say because they're used to going to the line at the soup kitchen, right? And hearing somebody present the gospel. And they know that if if I say, oh yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Christ is my savior. And, and then they're in line, they get food and they move on. It almost becomes just a process, right? Rather than uh, this genuine discovery of who their Lord and savior is. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So today we're going to talk about a couple of things and kind of an educational piece. And so sometimes we hear the the comment, at least with what I do, certainly most people have heard about Jesus by now. Surely missionaries have been sent to every country. Haven't we already completed the Great Commission? And uh, Ken, it's interesting as you get into this, uh, what we talk about, Jesus's command to his followers to make disciples of all nations. He wasn't talking about political nations that we see today, like Canada and Kenya and Russia. There's actually the Greek word to make disciples, to the nations part of make disciples of all nations is actually this word ethne. We get the English word ethnic. And so what he's talking about is reach every ethnic group for Christ. And uh, Ken, this is something I'd love to kind of get your take on it. So just kind of as an example, you have in this article, they have... Nigeria as a single political country. So you look on a map and you see Nigeria. So one interpretation of the Matthew 28 is to reach Nigeria, right, for Christ mm-hmm. as a country. Well, of course, in Jesus's time, there were no, there was no Nigeria as a country or no United States or no Canada, right? right? Inside of what is the political country of Nigeria, there are over 520 distinct people groups each needing a church planting movement in their midst. And so that makes it a little bit more, I don't know if you call it complicated, but certainly for us who have a heart to reach within that one country, 520 people groups, as you hear that, is that new information to you or is that, I'd love to get your take about that. Yeah, definitely. I think that I always am surprised when we talk about any place, how many different people groups languages and such are in one location it's because in here in the united states pretty much can cross the country and find that it's the same people group i mean there's different ethnicities and certainly sort of a melting pot but for the most part the everyone's melting into the culture a little bit right and you're talking about places where literally from one place to another it's a completely different culture in these small pockets yeah that's and right it's a different language it's different systems everything is different so yeah it's surprising to me and i think it's hard to visualize unless i look at it what i love about this article is that they have that kind of a map and it's all it kind of shows you yeah, yeah. and the colors point out all the different places and different people groups that are so close together it's not something that we're accustomed to seeing here in the U.S. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The one distinction would be that, you know, it'd be interesting actually to look this up, but I know that uh, initially when the Europeans came to North America, of course, there are these Native American populations. And so that would be kind of the closest that we have to something like that, where we need a Bible in Navajo 
and we need a Bible and you know the Cherokee language and right, you right. Know, whatnot. I believe that job has been mainly done. So can when we talked about kind of the difference between unreached people groups and unengaged, we'd given this definition that an unreached people group is a people group within which there is no indigenous community of believing Christians able to evangelize this people group. Around the world, there are approximately 16,300 of these ethnic people groups that are considered to be unreached, which even for me, that's surprising. I mean, right. think about 2,000 years of Christianity, you know, going around the world to still have so many. It says here that approximately uh, of those people groups, 60, a little over 6,500 are considered to be completely unreached which means that over 40% of the world's people groups have no indigenous community of believing Christians able to evangelize the rest of their people group. And man, to have 40% of the world, I mean, it's staggering. It is, and it means we do need to go places and bring the gospel. But I think something, I always go back to this too. I think that globally as a culture, right, as, as just a human race, I think we're seeing more and more waning from the church growth here in the United States and elsewhere, we're going to get into a position where there's more and more unreached people. And I won't call them people groups at this point, but yeah. imagine that you've got all these right. families now in the U.S. and elsewhere who pay no attention to the church, who are unchurched families. And as they grow and raise their children, we've talked about this before, their children are unchurched children. Mm -hmm. So they grow up to be unchurched parents, and then they have another generation of children who are unchurched. And as we see the unchurched right. population grow, uh, all of a sudden we have more and more unreached people all over the globe. So we actually could see this going backwards right, oh. <laughs> as opposed to the right way. Oh, right. Um, so I, yeah. yeah, and that makes me, I won't say that it makes me nervous, right? But it does put a little fire under my butt to say, we man, we got work to do. And, it's yeah. not, and it, even more to the point that we should have that stature of hard work for the kingdom in every day, right? Every day, everything we do should be that the posture of, of a commitment to sharing the gospel, that it's hard work. This is not easy desk job type stuff. Right? Yeah, this that's is, right. This is go to work, get that's your hands right. dirty kind of stuff. That's and, right. And we have to have that attitude in our daily life, in our routine. Guilty right here of not having that attitude every day, but I'm just... So I don't say it to condemn, only to even encourage myself and other believers that, man, we got a lot of work to do, and the work is yeah. not going to be finished. I think we have to accept that too, too right? We're never going to accomplish individually right. evangelizing and within our multitudes, yeah. um, but but together we can accomplish a lot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah as a friend of mine, uh, David Joannis, who's into this um, education piece as well, says, you know, a lot of these unreached people groups are unreached for a reason, meaning they're hard to get to, you yeah. know? I mean, one of the things I'll be doing in the next week is visiting with the folks with the San Long Chung people group, and it's in the mountains on the way to Tibet. And so it's hard to get to. So that's part of it is some of these people groups are hard to get to. So Ken, before we take our quick break, I have some facts that should hopefully continue to, to motivate us about uh, these people groups. So of the 50 largest unreached people groups, all 50 of these people groups have less than 2% Christ followers and have very little gospel access. So these are the 50 largest unreached people groups in the world. One in five people on earth live in these 50 unreached peoples. These 50 unreached people groups are comprised of about 1.3 billion people. 
every group is larger than 10 million in population, which is amazing to think too, that there are populations of people groups of 10 million or more that are still unreached. You sure would think <laughs> someone could have already gotten to them by now. It's not just right. like some little group of a couple thousand people up in Nepal somewhere. None have an indigenous church capable of taking the gospel to the entire group. And then 46 of these 50 unreached people groups are in the 1040 window, and 43 of the 50 are in closed countries. So that, that might be part of it, too, is these are places that are hard to get to. Yeah. So... Ken, before we go to our break, as you hear those sobering facts about these people groups, what pops in your mind? Well, it just reinforces the need to go to places and build churches. We need to inspire. I think we taught you and I talked about this before, and this is what it makes me think of. If we could get to every good, solid Bible teaching church in the United States and say, hey, will you just take this one group? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I've taken that approach too. Yeah. So I think it's that like, that's hey, the. You just take one, that's we'll take the thought. this one. And yeah. for a while, you know, all of a sudden we're, we're reaching everyone. Yeah, that's you know, right. So it seems that easy, but in our world, there's a lot of things that seem easy, and it's the Monday morning quarterback kind of thing, right? We can sit here and say, well, let's just do this, and that doesn't translate somehow to the multitudes of churches. I, and I, and maybe it's just not getting the word to them first to say, hey, you take this people group, and we're going to encourage this group. And I don't know what it takes other than packing your bags and traveling from church to church and saying, maybe that's the yeah. mission. I don't, I don't know. I was going to say that's a ministry in, in itself, yeah. right? Yeah. And just educating folks and groups of 10 million. Certainly we ought to be able to send some people, Yeah, you know, just large, large groups of people. So, well, Ken, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. And then after our break, we'll talk a little bit about Bible translation need, some limited access type uh, issues in terms of 800 million illiterate adults around the world and how you reach them and whatnot. So folks, thanks for joining us. Hope this is an encouragement to you all. And uh, we'll be back right after this. Hi, I'm Tom Moeller. As a pastor or ministry leader, you know the value of having congregation members excited about God's work, both at home and abroad. Think about having a church full of people who know their place in God's great mission, engaged to reach the world for Jesus. That's a church on fire. Or maybe you're a conference director looking for a dynamic speaker to come in and point people toward fulfilling the Great Commission in their lives. Mike Falkenstein would love to come and serve your church or conference by making a great speech to attendees on a Sunday morning or for a weekend event, making your event a huge success. Mike has a deep desire to make your job easier. Visit Mike's website at MikeFalkenstein.com and go to the speaking page to find out more about how you can have him come and serve you in this way. Well, Ken, we've been talking about this article uh, from the Joshua Project, which I love what they're doing because it certainly kind of motivates people like mm -hmm. us to go, hey, how can we right. be praying and how can we be involved and whatnot? So we had talked about this some last week, but I wanted to, or not last time we talked about this. And so data from the Southern Baptist mission arm called the International Mission Board suggests that there are over 3,000 ethnic people groups that are not only unreached, but also completely unengaged, meaning that there's no known active on-site planning effort underway and few, if any, believers. And uh, to say that a people group is unengaged means there's definitely no missionaries, in likelihood, no outreach, no church, no fellowship of believers, no Christian materials, 
and if and few if any uh, Bibles for these people. And can I think about gosh, three thousand of them? Uh, that would be another because certainly there could be three thousand churches that could say, hey, yeah, we'll just kind of take one. I guess my point is all of this does seem to be doable. Right. It's just a matter of the obedience of God's people to obey the Great Commission. Right. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. I kind of admittedly am drifting into this thought process of how do we accomplish it, right? I mean, what can we yeah. put together to encourage churches to, I know there's a lot of churches, I should say, that already are serving people groups. Yeah, definitely. But there's certainly a pocket in that church where there might be another 10 or 20 people that say, hey, I'm willing to go, I guess. And no one can answer a question they're never asked. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So if no one's ever saying, hey, does anybody want to go serve this people group? Oh, you know, right. Does anybody want to pioneer a place where they've never heard the gospel? Does anybody want to do that? In that question, there's going to be the one or two people that are like, hey, yeah. <laughs> I think about a, a friend of mine who he runs a mission in Africa. And I remember when he told me about how it started for him. He felt like he wasn't doing anything. And at church one day, they just said, we have this missions trip to Africa. Does anybody want to go? And it was just that simple question. And he was like, yeah, I just was thinking, I felt like I'm not doing anything. And here they're asking me if I want to go. So he went so I took it from on his God own. As, yeah. yeah. He went on his own. Uh, he saw a place where they were meeting needs. And then he came back and got his family and they all went. And when they all went, they decided to move there. And they started an on-the-ground mission outreach of their own, where they were going to be planted there and reaching people because they were there. It went from a short term to a, we're on the ground, stay, we're going to stay here. We're going to stay here and we're going to pioneer this effort. That's awesome. And yeah, that was cool. And so it's I, kind again, of one it's, family that just said, hey, yeah. let's go do it. And now they've got yeah. a bunch of people that help them and they're, you know, they're doing amazing things. And I should say, God's doing amazing things by using their heart, right? That, yeah. That was ready to, to be be in service. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I mean, you just got to ask the question, I think. Uh, yeah, so that's I mean, right. I guess I'm encouraged and, yeah. um, and sitting here just trying to think of uh, how do we just go like encourage churches to just ask the congregation. <laughs> that's right. You know? Yeah, and as you were talking, Ken, about your friend, it made me think of, I was here thinking, there's actually some, we can maybe connect the dots a little between other podcast episodes because, oh, yeah. you know, we yeah. have talked, we had that five episode series about the Great Commissionless Church and reasons why pastors, you know, aren't involved in mission or have a heart for missions. And then we had learned from our friend Todd Wagner in Dallas, he has this phrase where he says, a lot of churches in North America don't ask very much of their people. And they say, hey, you just give us kind of some money to keep the lights on. We won't ask much of you. And together we'll say, right. we're doing everything God wants us to do. When we know biblically that's not true. Right. Right. So I would say that, gosh, there's, I would imagine even in North America, thousands of those churches that if they would just say, yeah, well, just take one. And then there's 3000 of them. We could find could be 3000. And uh, how cool would that be? Because from the local church perspective, you go, yeah, we're only doing this work with just this one group. Right. I mean, our whole missions budget, our whole missions effort is just with this one, which seems at the local level uh, at a church, maybe to be a small thing, but it's no small thing at all because it's a part of the 3,000 and reaching yeah. them, 
right? <laughs> so to add to that, Ken, there's also something we've developed a real heart for with my ministry in Bible translation. You know, of course, we both know to make not just a convert, but a disciple of Jesus requires the scriptures to be available in the mother tongue, right? Right. And so our friends with uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators report that of the approximately 6,800 living languages, about 1,800 still have a definite translation need. That means for the mother tongue speakers of those 1,800 languages, no scripture exists at all. And probably, again, just within North America, you could say you've got some that are reaching the 3,000, some that have just taken on this job of getting the languages, getting the 1,800 people groups, get them portions of scripture. Right. I know kind of what we've taken on is our expertise has always been in China. Mm -hmm. Just in China alone, there are about approximately 150 languages in China that need uh, scripture. And so we've said, yeah, again, maybe we just do one and see how it goes and involve others. And for whatever reason in our ministry, we tend to be kind of the quote unquote pioneers. So like right. with our Bible trans or Bible distribution project, we started it. I trained two other ministries to do it and then they trained others. And now we're actually kind of out of it because there are all these other people that are doing it. And so, right. so now we're off, you know, seeing about this 150 languages, but to know that about 1800 languages around the world have a definite translation need is compelling in it. Yeah, for sure. It's and that to me is a little overwhelming still because I and maybe I think about it incorrectly, but I imagine what about of those languages? How many are the ones that we really don't have any translation into other languages? Right, you have to literally get on the ground and kind of figure it out. Oh, right. <laughs> well, and that's part of what we're finding out is that uh, yeah. Long story short, Bible translation is hard. Yeah, I can I, imagine. Yeah, take too much time. But for us, you need people who know the. Chong language and Mandarin, mm -hmm. both of them. Some of those people have to be Christians. Initially, you're translating directly from the Mandarin to this Chong language. Later on, then you'll go directly from the Greek and Hebrew. But at first, you're just trying to get them some kind of portion of scripture. And you have to have people on the ground that have a heart for this because we live here in Colorado. So there has to, I mean, we'll oversee some of it, but there right. has to be a local team in uh, Sichuan province who's doing it. And then you multiply that by the 1800 languages. And wow. yeah, <laughs> it's really something. I mean, it's, I mean, if you like logistics, that's definitely a ministry for you because there's a ton of stuff, right? right. And uh, I need to memorize the scripture, but there's a verse in Revelation that talks about anyone that changes a word of this scripture is bad things. Right. You got to be careful, too. That's right. It's the you very know? end of Revelation. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's the very end of Revelation, right? Yeah. You can't change one word. Anyway, Ken, as we talk about these things, as we close out this episode, and it feels to me like we need to be doing this kind of regularly, yeah. talking about these things. We got other things we can talk about as it relates to the unreached and unengaged. What final thoughts do you have as you kind of think about the 6,800 languages and the 3,000 yeah. unreached people groups and how we could do it? Clearly, it seems to me like you're kind of going, okay, what actually can we do to you yeah, know, reach them? I mean, in my head, sit there and think, well, how can we how can we go get kind of a maybe a drive through media and such to churches to say, hey, we want to propose this idea. That, uh -huh. you know, we've got all these unreached people groups and we just want to go around from church to church. And maybe that's obviously with technology, it makes it a little easier to just kind of 
put a stick in the water, right? To cause a little ripple. But I think that the starting point would be, can we send something out via social media and uh, oh, right. different vehicles? Yeah, because today they're all yeah. these tools, right? Yeah, through media yeah. that just kind of talked about, right? Like an intriguing piece about the unreached people groups and how, what a concept to think that we could get this list going, right? Where every church says, okay, we'll take this group. And we'll take that group and see where that what that starts. I think that's all I'm thinking about right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because yeah, and you have to start there before you yeah. go you go to the next steps. Right. right First right. it's just kinda okay, Lord, how could we do this? So can I guess for me, I having a heart for all of this anyway, I, yeah, it gets me excited. And yeah. uh, Lord, how can we do this? And how could you use us? And I think actually just finishing a, an eight-week Bible study at my church. And so we've been talking about the six marks of a, what a disciple of Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And uh, today we talked about uh, dying to self, mm-hmm. right? We know in the gospels, we have in several times Jesus saying, deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. Right. And I think that's kind of the first step to all of this, actually. Oh, yeah. Is yeah. I agree. Just Lord, not my will, but yours. If you're willing to use me, I'm willing to be used. And uh, Jesus talks about uh, later in the, the book of Luke about uh, when a man builds a house, he counts the cost and he because he doesn't want to not have enough materials. Right. And right. so many of us count the cost of doing anything in missions and kind of go, ah, the cost is too high. Right. You know? And so maybe that would be the really the first step is just more people who'd say, hey, Lord, use me. Yeah. At any yeah. cost. Yeah. At any cost. Yeah. That's right. For now, we leave that as the last thought. And so for those listening, yeah, maybe that's a challenge for you to just begin kind of going, okay, at what cost and what it cost. And so thanks for joining us, everyone. Hopefully this has been an encouragement to you. Thankful that you're with us uh, week in and week out. And uh, we'll look forward to having you on the next episode of the Made for Missions podcast.